Now, you know, most everybody, most everybody, I'm finding out this is, uh, can not be the case everywhere, but most everybody has heard the story of David and Goliath, or at least heard of the, uh, it mentioned, uh, most of the time, you know, when we talk about it and mention it, we kind of maybe do it in passing, don't necessarily take the time and go all the way through it, but today we're going to do that, and mostly because I've, in the last couple weeks, <clears throat> I've been, you know, hearing stories that um, people nowadays just don't have a clue. I don't, I don't say that in a negative thing, it's just, maybe it's just because it ain't being taught like it should be taught, or they're just not in a place to receive it or a place to hear it, that could be, and... Uh, so there's a lot of uh, a lot of probably reason for it, but I'm noticing out there, you know, you can't just assume things. You know, a lot of times I get up here and minister and been doing this for a lot of years now, and uh, sometimes you just assume everybody knows what you're talking about, and I'm starting to find out that not everybody always does. So today, we're going to kind of take this thing from the beginning, and I believe it'll help us because... The scriptures are pretty clear that everything that's been recorded for us is for our advantage. It's for our, you know, an example unto us for us to learn, amen, to uh, really to be admonished, to be taught, amen. The scriptures are clear, too, that it talks about that everything that we read in the Old Covenant were types and shadows, it calls it, types and shadows of things to come. So a lot of times you can take and you can glean and apply, you know, these Old Covenant stories to today and what we're going through. And so um, I believe that as we get into this, it's going to make more sense to you. Amen. So let's go to verse 1. I mean, that's a good place to start. Hallelujah. Verse 1 it says, Now the Philistines gathered their armies together to battle and were gathered at Sukkoth, which belongs to Judah, and they encamped between Sukkoth and uh, Ezekah, now I'll probably butchered the name there, but it's in Ephes Daman, okay, which means boundary of blood, by the way. That word Ephes Daman means boundary of blood. So what you have now is two armies coming together here. And Saul and the men of Israel gathered together, and they encamped in the valley of Elah and drew up in battle array against the Philistines. So in battle array, what it means, just basically... Two armies come together, one's on one side lined up, one's on the other side. So everybody say battle array. That's what that's referring to, all right? The Philistines stood on a mountain on one side, and Israel stood on a mountain on the other side uh, with a valley between them. Of course, that's that valley of Ephes Daman, okay, boundary of blood. Now, of course, uh, you know, for whatever it's worth, uh, they call it a mountain. To you and me, that'd probably be like a hill or a butte. I'm just saying, I've looked up some of these things, and to you and me, we'd probably look at that and go, that's not a mountain. But to them, it was a mountain. It was a pretty high place for them. Uh, you know, when you're talking about flat ground, you know, every hill pretty much is, is noticed. And so anyway, praise God. So they're standing, you got uh, one arm, the Israelites on one side, you got the Philistines on the other side, and uh, drawing up in battle array, coming against each other, and said, all of a sudden, uh, and a champion, okay, went out from the camp of the Philistines, okay, named Goliath. Everybody say Goliath. Goliath. All right, so this is the, uh, the, their champion. This is their, their big shot, okay. 
and he's from Gath, okay, the word Gath there uh, just means the pr press or the press, but the word Goliath is pretty key uh, when you look it up, it means exile, of course it refers to, uh, refers to an outcast or outlaw, but it means uh, uh, deported or expeller, it means to literally expel one or drive one out from their place, that's what his name means, okay. So he's called to come, amen, and he's going to drive out anyone he can from their place. All right, now you hang on to that. And how does he do it? The word's real clear. He does it through fear and through intimidation. Now our enemy, we have an enemy. How many know we have an enemy? Okay, he does the same thing. What's he try to do? He tries to somehow expel you out from your place. He tries to somehow get you uh, to back up, somehow to pull back, somehow to quit. Through, to, uh, through fear, through intimidation. The word intimidation, for those that, that don't know, it just means to terrorize, to bully, to badger, coerce, arm-twisting, discourage, disgrace, to bring shame, doing whatever they can to somehow get you to back up. Now, that's exactly what this giant did, okay? And we call him giant because of the next uh, bit of phrase here. It says, whose height was six cubits and a span. When you look that up and kind of put it together and do the math, he's nine foot nine. He's a big boy. I'm sure he would have made it in the NBA. They would have just parked him down there. He wouldn't have had to run back and forth. They'd just put him down there, and they'd throw the ball at him. He'd just, anyway, leaving it right alone. But anyway, the point is he was a big old boy and obviously very intimidating in size. Okay, and it goes on, verse 5, and he had a bronze helmet on his head, and he was armed with a coat of mail. In other words, that, uh, that, that armament that they put on you, uh, the coat of mail, of course, being, uh, you know, the kind of like linked kind of uh, thing that just kind of folds over the rest of their clothes. All right, but it, get this, the uh, coat of mail weighed, it said 5,000 shekels of bronze, which is uh, approximately, it's over 150 pounds. Okay, to, could be as much as 180 pounds. So that's just the thing he threw over his, his clothes, okay, that armament. Okay. So big old boy, I imagine that boy weighed pretty, pretty much too, but uh, here he is, got about 150 pounds of just, just the, the coat of mail that he puts, puts on. He had a bronze armor, or pardon me, uh, he, had a, uh, he had bronze armor on his legs, and also a bronze javelin between his shoulders that kind of, you know, went, probably had a place back there to hook it onto or, or whatever, a sheath to put it in, whatever. And it says, now the staff of that spear was like a weaver's beam. So it's pretty good size, just the, the spear, okay, just that javelin, all right, all right. And it says, and just the, the spearhead on it weighed 600 shekels. Uh, which is anywhere from 15 to 21 pounds, just the head on that spear. So you can imagine now, you're kind of taking a look and, and seeing this guy, he's pretty intimidating, all right? So, you know, he steps out. So you got two armies in, armies in battle array, and of course he steps out, and he's got everybody nervous. Well, in all honesty, they should have just charged him. Take the sucker down. But everybody got intimidated. Now, I'm, I'm trying to talk to you here because you've got to relate this because 
The enemy does the same stuff. He tries to intimidate you, get you to back up and quit, and all you, all you need to do is just charge him. Well, you're not convinced yet, so let's go back in this. All right, so some of you may, just made you a little nervous here. All right. It also said here in verse 7 that he had a shield bearer or armor bearer here that went before him. So keep that in mind. So it's not only this nine foot nine fella. You got, uh, you know, all this armament he's got on, the spear, the, you know, he's very intimidating. But he also has somebody, you know, carrying his, his shield, okay. Now, I'm sure his shield's probably bigger than everybody else's shield. Just saying. And he's got to have a guy that's going to carry that, that's going to kind of tag, tag along with him carrying his, his shield. So he probably isn't so, you know, just some teenage boy per se or some little kid. We're probably talking a full-grown man here carrying his shield. So keep that in mind because it comes up again, all right? So it's not only this nine-foot-nine giant of a man, but there's a man standing next to him holding his shield, being ready to, you know, assist him in any way that he needs it. So it's pretty impressive and pretty intimidating. But not only did he have, you know, a big body and, you know, a lot of armor and a big spear, and he had a big mouth. Right? And he stood out, verse 8, and cried to the armies of Israel and said to them, Why have you come out to line up for battle array? He's asking the question, Am I, am I not a Philistine? And you the servants of Saul? I mean, he's asking, really in all honesty, he's asking legitimate questions. Why did you come out in battle array? Why are you all just kind of standing back there? I mean, don't you belong? I mean, aren't you part of the army of the Lord? Aren't you a part of, you know, of Saul, uh, you know, King Saul? Which, by the way, King Saul uh, said, the scripture says he was a pretty good-sized fella. Of course, he wasn't nine foot nine, but he did stand, they said, a, a, a head above the rest of the Israelites. He was a pretty good-sized fella. And he's just saying, listen, didn't you, you know, aren't you a part of, of what, you know, the army of Saul, the army of God, aren't you, aren't you, why are you just lining up for battle array? He said, well, I guess if y'all are just going to do that, why don't you choose for yourself a man to come down to me? Everybody say, come down. I thought that's pretty significant. It just means to descend to me. Now, obviously, when you speed read it, you're thinking, uh, you know, you know, you see two, you know, well, they said two mountains and there's a valley between them. You know, so I don't know how far away. We know they're in battle array. We don't know the distance between them. Okay, but we all know that, the, you know, obviously there's, you know, the valley in front of them and the mountain behind them. And so when he says come down, you know, we're just thinking maybe, you know, they're all in battle array on the side of the hill there, the mountain, and, you know, tell them to come down. But to me it means to descend. It's what it, when you look it up, it means descend to me. Well, God, you know, hasn't asked any of you to, you know, to fight the enemy on his terms. Are you hearing me? You're just supposed to take authority over him, period. Come on, somebody. Now, we'll get on that here in a bit. But, you know, he says, why don't you all come down, you know, come down to my level. Come down to my level and do battle with me like, like ordinary men would. Now, of course, you know, there's a, obviously a nine foot nine. I'm, I imagine if he was five foot five, he'd probably have a list of men just wanting to get, get on with it. But he's nine foot nine. 
So everybody's going, yeah, you do it. No, you do it. Where's Saul? Oh, he's in the back hiding in the tent. No. Come on now. Are you hearing me? Now, listen, we all have, uh, you know, hindsight, you know. You know. Well, they say hindsight is 2020. You know, we're sitting from the backside looking at this, and, you know, it might be easy to say, yeah, we're going to, we take him on. But, you know, if you were there, would you have? Are you hearing me? I mean, we know, we know behind the scenes, we know, you know, after the fact, amen. And obviously, David comes along, right, and takes, does the job, right? Now, I'm kind of getting ahead of myself, but the bottom line is, you know, he's, he's just intimidating. He's just trying to torment them. All right, he's shoving shame in their face. He's disgracing them right now. Are you getting this? You know, he's not trying to be nice and just, you know, cordial here. He's, he's, he's literally trying to disgrace these men. And obviously it's working. He's, verse 9 says, if he is able to fight with me and kill me, then we will be your servants, which he's a lying Well, anyway, he's a liar. Are you hearing me? Because he does go down, and they all ran. They didn't. Nobody's going to stick around and serve him. Come on, somebody. But you know, he, you know, he just—that's just part of his game. And uh, you know, come down to me, and we'll we'll be your servants. But if I prevail against you, he said, I'll kill and kill you. Praise God. He says, then you shall be our servants and serve us. Well. I mean, no, he's the father, you know, the enemy is the liar and the father of all lies. Come on, somebody. And I'm telling you right now, he's a liar. That, that giant is a liar. There ain't no way that he would, uh, uh, that his army would serve the Israelites, even if he did go down. But that's the way it works. Verse 10, and the Philistines said, I defy, look at this, I defy the armies of Israel. Still intimidating. Are you getting this? Still tormenting, still, uh, you know, being def- uh, in the sense of uh, a slander, mocking, scorning. That's what that word defy means. Amen. I defy the armies of, of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. And when Saul and all Israel heard these words of the Philistine, they, what? they were dismayed and greatly afraid. They were terrified. They were discouraged. Again, this is what intimidation does. Okay, somehow it takes the wind out of your sails. Are you, is anybody hearing me today? Now, this is what the enemy still does this. He does whatever he can to take the wind out of your sails. Okay, you, all along you have, you have authority. All along you have dominion. All along you have all of heaven's resources at your disposal. But if he could somehow torment you and intimidate you, get you to back up, he starts taking ground when all along... He has no right nor authority to do that to you. And he'll use anything he can. He'll use your past. He'll use, you know, your size. He'll use, uh, you know, your uh, whatever he can get a hold of. He'll take something and use your family against you. Use your, you know, your health against you. Use your finance against you. He'll do whatever he can to somehow belittle you, somehow knock you back to get you to somehow not see who's behind it. Come on. Because all of a sudden, you know, you're backing up when you have no business backing up. 
They could have just pulled the archers out and stuck the sucker. Nowhere, I, I, see, I'm trying to make a point. Nowhere in this does it say that really a man has to be, I mean, in all honesty, a bunch of them could have said, oh, shut up, devil, and charged him. Come on. I'm just saying, see, sometimes the enemy, somehow he, somehow he gets in there, somehow he, through his deception, through his manipulation, somehow he can just get you to somehow, you know, fall back, you know, and you're backing up instead of moving forward. And he still does these tricks. Well, we'll see more of this. I defy the armies of Israel this day. Give me a man to whom we may fight together. And Saul and all Israel heard the words. They were dismayed and greatly afraid. Verse 12. Now David was the son of the Ephrite of Bethlehem, Judah, which, whose name was Jesse. That's his dad. His dad's name was Jesse. Who, and who had eight sons. And the man was old, advanced in years. Uh, in the days of Saul. The three oldest sons uh, of Jesse had gone to follow Saul. They're right there in battle array right now at, in, this, in this story. Uh, it says, uh, and the names of the three sons were, uh, were Eliab, okay, Abinadab, and Shammah. Okay? And David was the youngest. And the three oldest followed Saul. So we've got four boys here now mentioned. How many say there was? Eight. So there's eight others, you know, between these three men that are following Saul and, and David, who was the youngest. All right? All right. But David occasionally went and returned from Saul. Now, how many know if you read the story prior to this? Uh, David, uh, remember Saul would be, at times would be, have a distressing spirit that come upon him. And they had a, a gentleman that would play for him uh, in the background. And that gentleman was David. David was a skilled, was skilled on a harp. And uh, he would... Uh, uh, be in the background and play for Saul so that that uh, demonic spirit would, would ease up on him. Are you with me? So this is what he's talking about, okay? But at the same time, I don't know, I have no idea if, if Saul and David had any connection prior to this. And as the story goes on, it kind of almost looks like maybe they didn't. But, but uh, we do know that David would at times have to go and play for Saul, you know, play in the background for Saul. And anyway, that's what it's talking about. He occasionally went and returned from Saul. And then to feed his father's sheep in Bethlehem. So he was a shepherd. Are you still with me? And the Philistine at that time drew near and presented himself, it said here, 40 days, morning and evening. Now this has been going on for a while. And obviously this is all about it. Think about this. 40 days, that devil would wake you up in the morning and put you to bed at night. Sound familiar? See, the enemy has no new tricks. He still does this kind of stuff. Still tries to wake you up in the morning with whatever it is you're dealing with, whatever it is you're up against, and try to put you to bed at night. Well, I think after 40 days, come on, enough's enough. Is anybody hearing me? But the enemy somehow will do this to people. Verse 17, then Jesse said to his son David, he said, take now for your brothers and ephod, of this dried grain and these ten loaves and run to your brothers at the camp. So in other words, head, head to where the battle is and carry these ten, uh, also these ten cheeses to the captain of, the, of their thousand. And now, everybody say their thousand. There's a lot of men out there. 
Okay, all right? And see how your brothers fare out, right? And bring back news of them. So in other words, go not only take them some supplies, but also check it out. Let me know what's going on. Well, why? Well, it's been 40 days. It's been 40 days. What's going on out there? Now Saul, uh, verse 19, now Saul uh, and, and they and all the men of Israel were in the valley of Elah, okay, fighting with the Philistines. Now I put a question mark by mine there because obviously there was no fighting. But anyway, they should be fighting. So David rose early in the morning, okay, we're back to him now, left the sheep with a keeper, okay, and took the things that his dad sent with him, right, and went with, uh, had, as Jesse had commanded him, and he came to the camp. As the army was going out to fight and shouting for the battle. In other words, that's what happened every day. They'd all go out shouting like they're going to go to fight. And then all of a sudden, this, this big old nine foot nine guy would step out in front and they'd all, they'd all cower. Are you still with me? For Israel and the Philistines had drawn up in battle array just like they did every single day, army against army. And David left his supplies in the hand of the supply keeper ran to the army, he's going to go down and be a part of it, I love this guy, and he came and greeted his brothers, okay, now they're all in battle array, ready, you know, all screaming, getting battle array, David finds out where his brothers are, goes and hangs out, wants to go, hey guys, what's up, right, come on now, he's like, man, he's going to get to see something, right, get to be a part of something, right, hallelujah, uh, so verse, uh, where are we at, verse 23, it said, and then as, as he talked, you know, he was talking with his brothers, talked with them, there was the champion now. Okay, so here it goes. And the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name, coming up from the armies of the Philistines, and he spoke according to the same words to the point that, you know, David now has heard these same words. In other words, you know, have you not come out uh, for battle? Uh, are, are, am I not a Philistine? Are you not the people of God? Are you not servants of Saul? He, here he goes through the whole thing again. Says the same thing. This time, David got to hear it. Are we all on the same page? Somebody says, Pastor, why are, you, why are you sharing all this? Because sometimes you don't know these things. So we got us a battle, supposedly, at least it looks like, in David's eyes, he's thinking, all right, man, I'm, finally I get to see something, right? Well, it says all the men, verse 24, of Israel, when they saw the man, fled from him and were dreadfully afraid. Now, I don't know, get your own picture, but, you know, I, I have a tendency sometimes to maybe be a little bit more, whatever, I was animated maybe or something, but, but uh um, so David goes out, standing by his brothers, trying to, hey guys, what's up? And all of a sudden, this guy comes out, runs his mouth, David hears it, and they all hightail it and run. So my guess is David's still standing there wondering, what the heck? I don't know, you get your picture. But something didn't add up to him. He's thinking, that big old galoot running his mouth, somebody needs to shut him up. Right? Somebody just shut that guy up. So they all fled and were dreadfully afraid. One man steps out. Yeah, now granted, he's a nine foot nine fella. Are you with me? So the men of Israel said, Have you seen this man who has come up? So obviously they're talking to David here because obviously David's got questions, right? Surely he has come up to defy Israel. 
and it shall be that the man who kills him, obviously they've had some, some talk with the king. King's trying to somehow not lose face between them all, trying to encourage, see if somebody will step up and take this man out. So the king said this, all right, said that the king will enrich, whoever takes this guy out will enrich him with great riches. Well, that sounds like a winner. Okay. He's going to give him his daughter to marry. And David, by the way, did marry his daughter. Come on. She wasn't that great of a wife, but, but anyway. The point is, okay, you'll get not only riches, you're going to get my daughter's hand in marriage, okay, and you're also going to get your father's house exemption from taxes. Somebody say Hallelujah. All right. Now, David's hearing all this. He's thinking, this sounds like a winner to me. So he's not seeing this guy as a problem now. He's seeing this guy as a, as a promise. He's seeing this guy, you know, as, hey, man, this is, a, you know, this is a, you know, an opportunity here to, you know, life don't have to be the same no more. I don't, I don't need to keep sheep anymore. Okay. So he's, he's, he's seeing, hearing all this. And, of course, you know, the next verse then. So um, David spoke to the men who stood by, saying, okay, uh, repeat this. What shall be done to the man who kills the Philistine? Am I hearing this right? So he goes to somebody else. Somebody else said, well, he went through the whole thing, you know, and said the same thing, right? And he said, what's going to happen to the guy that takes the reproach away from Israel? Everybody say reproach. This guy isn't trying to, he's just running his mouth. He's running his mouth. Somebody needs to shut him up. And he says, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? All that means is this guy has no covenant with our God. That's what it means. He has no covenant with our God. We're all covenant men. He is not. Why are we all tucking tail and running? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? Which is key. David saw God. Hallelujah. Had intimacy with God. We know by the scriptures the man had a walk with God. The scripture says he walked, conversed with God. He saw God as a living God. Not as some being out there. But as one that will commune with me. He saw him as a living God. That made the difference. Sometimes the reason we run from our enemy instead of deal with it is because of things like this. We do not see God as a God who's with us, who will never leave us nor forsake us. Come on, somebody. He is a living God. Still with me. You're not left alone. You're covenant people. Oh, hallelujah. I said, oh, hallelujah. hallelujah. Who is this Philistine? Why are we allowing this guy to run his mouth? So the people answered him the same way. In other words, explained the same thing. So shall be done to the man that kills him. Now, of course, his older brother now, I imagine, is probably getting a little embarrassed because, you know, the younger brother is over here acting tough. Come on. His oldest brother heard uh, when he spoke to the men, obviously, so David isn't being quiet about it. Okay, and Eliab, remember, this is his oldest brother, got angry with him. Come on. And said, why, why did you come down here? And with whom have you left those few 
sheep in the wilderness. <laughs> He's belittling him. Listen to me. David isn't moved and intimidated by his peers, by his king, or by his enemy. He's not intimidated, okay? Why did you come down here? And did whom, whom did you leave those few sheep in the wilderness? I know your pride and insolence of heart. No, you don't know his heart. Because David, hallelujah, the scriptures are very clear. Acts 13, 1 Samuel 13 says he was a man after God's own heart. Praise God. Hallelujah. A man that loved God, knew God, had a relationship with God. And a God, hallelujah, that he knew loved him back. Praise God. Somebody give God praise. And then Eliab says, you've come down here to see the battle. My question is, what battle? And that's what David's trying to ask. Why isn't somebody taking this guy out? He's probably looking at his brother like, dude, did you hear what the guy gets that when you take him out? That'd be worth it. Now, David has seen the daughter. He's played in his courts. I'll leave that one alone. But obviously this kind of thing happens with Eliab and David. He said, what have I done now? Why are you so bummed at me? What the heck did I do to upset you? Is there not a cause? Is there not a purpose here? Is there not a reason for somebody to stand up and do something here? Why are we all running? Why are we all hiding? Why are we backing up? We have authority over the enemy. And this uncircumcised Philistine has no rights nor authority over us as people of God. And that's what David's trying to get across. I don't understand. Why doesn't somebody do something? Well, the word gets out. So he just said, you know, got tired of talking to his brother. And he turned from him toward another and said, okay, now, okay, you tell me. What, what did the king say? I want to make sure I got all my facts straight. Okay, right? And these people answered him as the first ones did. Come on. Now, he's just making sure he's got his facts straight. Because if I'm going to take this guy out, I want to make sure I know what's coming to me. I want to know what my benefits are. Anybody hearing me? Amen. If I take this guy out, what's coming to me? All right. Pretty gutsy kid, huh? Now, most, agree, most believe at this time he's a teenager still. Okay. All right. And uh, so verse, uh, let's see here. Where are we at? Verse, what am I, 30 now? Uh, verse 31. Okay. And when the words which David spoke were heard, they reported them to Saul. So obviously it's getting around. Now King Saul's even heard about it. Okay, and he sent for David. Okay, then David said to Saul, "Let no man, I love, let no man, let no man's heart fail because of this giant. Right, your servant will go and fight with the Philistine. I'll take him out, King. <laughs> let no man's heart fail. Don't you worry. We got her under control. Don't need to be worked up about anything. We'll get this job done. Be done with it." We all get home by, by evening. 
But no man's heart failed because of, the, because of him. Your servant will go and fight with the Philistine. Now, of course, you know, the king, you know, uh, obviously the king didn't intimidate David at all. Come on, here he is, you know, going right off the bat, talking to him straight up. And, and Saul said to David, verse 33, you're not able to go against this Philistine and fight with him. For you're a youth, and he's a man of war from his youth. Again, we're looking at natural things. You know, one of the references Trudy brought up today was out of 1 Corinthians 4, or 2 Corinthians 4, pardon me, and uh, saying that, you know, we don't, we don't look by, at things which we see, but things which we do not see. The things which we see are temporal or subject to change. The things that we do not see are eternal or permanent. So he's just trying to say, we're seeing here that you can't be moved by natural things. Child of God, you can't be moved by natural things. The child of God who just gave their heart to Jesus has just as much authority over the devil as somebody that's been saved for years. But you may look at them and think, well, they're, you know, they're just, you know, they're just kind of new to this. And, and obviously they maybe need to lo- learn some things, grow. But he's trying to see, you can't be moved by natural things. It's amazing how many things that we have seen in the scriptures where God used even somebody. There's no, I mean, the, the normal person would look at them and go, ain't no way. And it's the same thing with David. They're, Saul's looking at David thinking, listen, you're just a kid. You've never done this kind of thing before. And this guy that you're looking at has been doing it since he's been your age. Well, what'd David do? David goes, yeah, you're right. I'm just a little pipsqueak. Heck, what was I thinking? You're right, king. I I can't do this. Maybe I'll go back and see if I can get my brother to do it. Because, you know, he's so brave and bold. Come on. What'd David do? David said to Saul, whoa, 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 breaks. Your servant, that's me, he's saying, right? Your servant used, I love this, used to keep his father's sheep. Does anybody get that? Now, I looked that up just to make sure, and it's there. He used to, he's already set the straight, I'm taking the guy out, I will never, ever have to keep sheep again. My kids used to have sheep in 4-H. I will never, ever keep sheep again. Anyway, I'm just saying. Your servant, I love this, used to keep his father's sheep. Look at this. And when a lion or a bear came and took a lamb out of the flock, I went out after it and struck it and delivered it from the lamb from its mouth, delivered the lamb from its mouth. And when it arose against me, I caught it by its beard, struck it, and killed it. Huh. Right? Your servant has killed both lion and bear. It's called giant killer practice. Anybody hearing me? All right. Your servant has killed both lion and bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, seeing that he has defied. See, say he crossed the line. He defied the armies of the living God. He's got no more, he has absolutely nothing. He's got no wind in his sails. He's a lot of, a lot of talk. Come on, somebody. He ain't got nothing. 
backing him up. Moreover, David said, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And obviously Saul had seen it before. He had seen this anointing before. He had seen this kind of thing come on an individual before, including himself. Are you anybody hearing me? He said, then go and the Lord be with you, praise God. So now Saul is thinking, you know, after he said that, obviously you know, he's going to let the boy go out and do this. But Saul starts thinking, you know, I'm going to get in a lot of trouble. I just send this kid out looking the way he is. So Saul starts putting his armor on him. He clothed David with his armor and put a, put a bronze helmet on him, right? Clothed him with a coat of mail. Put on all this, you know, like, like the giant, you know, has all his stuff on. So he's going to try to put all Saul's stuff on. We could call this the arm of the flesh. Now, we're called to put armor on, but the Word says we're called to be strong in the Lord and the power of His might and put on the whole armor of God. Amen. He ain't going to beat this guy with natural things. But Saul's thinking, you know, I can't just send the kid out looking the way he does. Well, of course, you know, it's actually kind of comical, but... It goes on to say, David fastened his sword to his armor and tried to walk. He couldn't even walk with it on. That gives you an idea of his size. Yeah, he's a little guy. He ain't a very big guy yet, okay? All right. And, and for he had not tested them, and David said to Saul, I can't walk with these, right? For I have not tested them, so David took them off, right? You know, all God or nothing. Everybody say, all God or nothing. It's time to live God loud, child of God. Child, to be all that God's called you to be, you don't back down from the enemy. You're more than conquerors. You're world overcomers. Come on, somebody. You're the head, not the tail. Above only, not beneath. Hallelujah. Anybody else hearing me? Hallelujah. You're called to victory. You're called to be led in triumph. Amen. Hallelujah. Now, God ain't asking anybody to do it in their own strength or their own ability, but he is saying this, praise God. Amen. You lean in me, and I guarantee you can win every time. And David, all the only thing that made the difference with David and all the rest of the men of Saul's army was the fact he actually believed God. He saw God as a living God. You still with me? All right. Am I boring you today? All right. I hope not. All right. Where are we at? Verse 40. All right. So he took his staff, okay, like he uses it out in the field. He put his staff in his hand. He chose for himself five smooth stones from the brook. Put them in the shepherd's bag. Okay? In the pouch uh, which he had, and his sling was in his, uh, in his hand, his other hand, and he drew near to the Philistine. Okay? So the Philistine came and began drawing near to David. And the man who bore the shield went before him. There's that man again. Come on. All right? So it ain't just, there's, there's two men now that have walked out to meet him got the Philistine and then his armor bearer. Are, you, are we all on the same page? All right. And when the Philistine looked about and saw David, he disdained him, okay? He belittled him or disesteemed him, okay? For he was only a youth. It was obvious. He's just a kid. You sent me a kid? And the word says he was uh, ruddy and good looking. Well, I guess if you're going to send somebody, make sure they're good looking. Okay, ruddy, usually that's, that's going to mean... Uh, uh, most agree 
scholars agree he was redhead and freckled. Okay? So he redhead and freckled. Obviously a cute kid. All right. But in this kind of situation, I don't know if cuteness is going to get her done. I mean, know that to be true. Come on now. So he's, he's, he's thinking, this, this giant is looking at him thinking, what the heck? So the Philistine said to David, am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? You sent this little, little kid? What am I, a dog? Just throwing some little thing to me? What's this, is it like an appetizer? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. Dude, now you're making it personal. <laughs> and the Philistine said to David, come to me, and I will give your flesh to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. And that, my friends, was the last time he talked. <laughs> and then David started talking. He's thinking, well, you know, if we're going to be, you know, trash talking here a little bit, I'm going to take a little time here. David said to the Philistine, you come to me with a sword and a spear and a javelin. He said, I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts. In other words, this is who I lean on, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. Dude, you, 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 you drew first blood. Now we're after you. We're going to take you out. Huh. You come to me with a sword, with a spear, and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you and take your head from you. He didn't have a buck knife one. He ain't got no knife. I will strike you and take your head from you. This day I will give, I love this kid, I will give the carcasses of the camp of the Philistines to the birds of the air and the beasts of the earth that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. Everybody's going to know it. Everybody's going to know it. This day. I mean, we're not just taking you out. We're going to take you all out. <laughs> they need to make more movies like this. Come on, somebody. Now, I don't know if you, you know, back in verse 46, you notice he said, I will give the carcasses of the camp of Israel. He's not even, he didn't, he, the way he's thinking, he's thinking, I got a bunch of sissies standing behind me. That's all right. I'm going to take you all out. You say, well, do you think, think he fit? Well, I don't know. He said, then all this assembly shall know. That the Lord does not save with sword or spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands. Come on, said all this assembly. So he's trying to let it be known, even the guy standing behind me ain't getting this. 
but they need to, right? They need to figure this out. Is anybody still with me? Listen, I know sometimes, you know, um, you get confident and some people want to, you know, mock you or whatever, but it's just better to live God loud. Amen. And uh, just be okay with who you are as a child of God. I said be okay with who you are as a child of God. A lot of times passionate people get misunderstood. Come on. Sometimes get mocked. And we're seeing that in this story. It's pretty clear that David not only got mocked or getting mocked by the enemy, even the king didn't understand it, and his own brothers didn't understand it. Come on. But now they're all standing here wondering, and I, I can, can does anybody ever stop and just like, I mean, what's his brothers doing right now? They're like, oh, God, no. Right? Nobody's going, go, David. Nobody's doing that. He ain't got support from anybody right now except God, the one that counts. Is anybody hearing me? His brothers are probably back. They're going, oh, you had to go and do this. <laughs> that little brother of mine always runs his mouth. So it was. Verse 48, when the Philistine arose and came and drew near to meet David, David hurried and ran toward the army to meet the Philistine. Now, I, years ago, I saw uh, that somebody did try to do a movie of this, and they showed David dodging bushes. That is not how it happened. Are you hearing me? David charged him. All right? Been wanting to do it for the last hour probably. Are you hearing me? I don't know how long this time span is, but he's been ready to do this for a while. So he hurried and ran toward the army to meet the Philistine. Then David put his hand in his bag and took out a stone. Now he's doing all this while he's running. Well, obviously he's a good shepherd. He probably knows how to do this. Right? And he slung it and struck the Philistine in his forehead. So that the stone sank into his forehead, and he fell on his face to the earth. <laughs> That's what you call a heat sinking. Anyway. Sunk it right into his forehead. Dropped him on his face. Now, is anybody getting a picture of this? There's still somebody standing by him. The armor bearer is going. All the, all the Philistines are going. All the Israelites are going. Is anybody seeing this? <laughs> David, did, David didn't stop him a bit, didn't slow him down. Come on, somebody. Didn't even slow him down. He prevailed over the Philistine. He's not going to give the guy a chance to even get up. Now, we don't know if he died on the spot or what, but all I know is the guy had knocked him out, knocked him cold, whatever. Okay, maybe it did kill him. I don't know. 
But David prevailed over the Philistine, jumped on top of him. Hallelujah. He prevailed with a sling and a stone, it says, and then he struck the Philistine and killed him. Come on. Well, maybe then I guess the stone would say he killed him then. Right? Is that the way you read it? Okay. But get this. There was no sword in the hand of David. Okay, so I guess he did get killed, the rock. There we go. So I should have read it all before I said anything. Verse 51, though. Let's get to this. This is the good part. And David ran and stood over the Philistine, took his sword, and drew it out of his sheath, and killed him. Okay. So he cut off his head. Now, is anybody still getting this? So he jumps on the guy, pulls out his sword, takes his head. The armor bearer standing right there. All the Philistines are going, oh, my gosh. All the Israelites are going, oh, my gosh. All of his brothers are going, oh, my gosh. I'm never going to hear the end of this. And when the Philistines saw that their champion was dead, they fled. Because David said, I'm coming after all of you. Now, you know, the scriptures talk about David, or pardon me, Goliath having brothers and even sons. And they were all big. Somebody says, why did he grab five stones? Well, somebody said he had four other brothers. So he's thinking, hmm, okay, might have to take them all out. I don't know. But the bottom line is he took out the champion. He dropped him. Everybody now is fleeing. Come on now. Uh, everybody's running. Huh? Verse, uh, verse 52, now the men of Israel and Judah arose and shouted. Well, it gets contagious, right? And pursued the Philistines as far as the entrance of the valley uh, and uh, the gates of Ekron. And the wounded of the Philistines fell among the road, along the road okay, of Shareem. Okay, I don't know if I pronounced that one right. But even as far as Gath, I mean, they followed them all the way back to their own cities. Come on. Then the children of Israel returned from chasing the Philistines, and they plundered their tents. And David, hallelujah took the head of the Philistine and brought it to Jerusalem and put his armor in his tent. <laughs> his tent. I mean, he just pretty much whatever he wants now. It's all yours, buddy. And when Saul uh, saw David going out against the Philistine, he said to Abner, which was his commander of the army, Abner, whose son is this youth? And Abner said, as your soul lives, O king, I don't know. All right, and then the king said, well, inquire who it is, you know. And David returned uh, uh, from the slaughter from the Philistine. Abner took him and brought him before Saul and with the, head of the, with the head of the Philistine in his hand. Now, is anybody seeing this? This old bloody thing he's holding by the hair? What did David say? Let no man's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go and fight with this Philistine. 
So he comes back with the head. Come on now. Kept all of his armor. Come on. And Saul said to him, whose son are you, young man? So David answers, I am the son of your servant Jesse, the Bethlehemite. Bethlehemite, there we go. And uh, so, what do you think? Now, what do we learn from it? Well, you got no business being intimidated by your enemy. I mean, you might be facing some things, staring at some things. Uh, we don't deny that, and we don't even make light of it. All of us have got things that we, you know, have to fight through once in a while. The word says you submit yourself to God, you resist your enemy, he flees. Now, I've said this multiple times. I'm going to say it again today. There's two things that God will not do for you. He will not receive for you, and he will not resist for you. Now, he'll provide you everything you need, all the armament, all the empowerment, all the direction, all the clarity. He'll give you everything you need to get her done. But you have to be the one that receives. You have to use your faith. You have to believe. He's not going to do that for you. And he's not going to resist your enemy for you. Now, he'll direct you in it, but he will not resist for you. You have to resist your enemy. Is anybody hearing me? Now, the reason we can even use this as an illustration, you notice that enemy came out 40 days, 40 nights, ran his mouth. Nobody shut him up. He kept going. It would have went 41 days if David wouldn't have showed up. It would have went 42 days, 43 days, 44 days. I don't know. It took one man to stand up in who he is in God, knowing his God, come on, faced his enemy, and won. Now, you know as well as I do, he had help, right? Nobody's denying that. He didn't do all this in his own strength, but what he did do, praise God, is least went out and resisted. We are called to resist. If you've got warfare going on at home, you do not run back to your tent and cower. You face your enemy and deal with it. If you don't know how to do it, find out how to do it. Come on, somebody. Take authority over that enemy. Don't let the enemy continually intimidate you through fear and torment. Most of the things that go on in our households that just continue is because somebody does not stand up and resist. Now, I'm not picking on anybody. Obviously, this has been kind of the theme coming out of me the last couple weeks. Whether we're talking marriage conference, we're talking midweeks, whatever, okay? But I am done watching the children of God running with their tail between their legs every time the enemy spews something out of his mouth. Enough is enough. It is time to resist your enemy and back him up and take his head. Are you with me? Or are you shaking in your boots? I'm just telling you, I think there's so much, you know, God's given you armor, He's given you His Word, He's given you, come on, right, His Spirit, right? He's given you authority and dominion. He's given you His name. 
Come on, we can go on and on of all the weaponry that you have and the armament that you have in Him. Amen. There is nothing that you can't do in, in Him. I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. Amen. I can do this in Him. Again, it's by your might, your power, your ability, but it's by His Spirit. It's by His strength. It's by His power. But He's got to have somebody to work with, somebody that's willing to face the enemy and resist. Are you with me? Listen, the Scripture says this, okay? The thief comes uh, to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and life more abundant, which means, amen, you don't have to put up with the thievery. Right? Scriptures are clear. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, goes about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. He may not hear. And it says he comes as a roaring lion. It doesn't say he is. Well, he just means he has a big mouth. Sound familiar? Now, according to Psalms 3, his teeth have been knocked out. So the teeth of the ungodly have been knocked out. You don't get much more ungodly than him. So he must be a toothless, wannabe lion, making noise, trying to intimidate you. And the scriptures are clear that one day you will get a a view or a glimpse of your enemy, of who he is. And you're going to say this, what? He's the one? He's the one that made the nations tremble. He's the one that made me run all the time. He's the one that caused me to cower. He's the one. Well, let's not have any embarrassing moments. And let's just say, take authority over them now. It is time to take our homes back from the enemy. Come on, somebody. Take a stand. Amen. Do not let the enemy, do not give him place, a foothold or opportunity in your households anymore. It is time to stand up, praise God, with the blood of the Lamb. The Word says, you'll overcome with the blood of the Lamb by the word of your testimony and loving not our lives even unto death. We stand firm. We refuse to back up. We refuse to quit. We refuse to tuck tail and run. I will not draw back, look back pull back. I move forward in God. Somebody give God praise. Hallelujah. Why don't you all stand up? Praise the Lord. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to watch the video of this message, head over to vimeo.com forward slash WO victory or go to Jerry Roberts ministry on Roku. For more information about who we are and what we do here at Order Victory, check out the website at wovictory.org. That's wovictory.org. See you there.